And the guest on the podcast today is somebody that I've known for quite a while now. Uh, my older brother, Blaine Barber. Uh, Blaine has played professional golf for 10 years. Four of those years have been on the PGA Tour. Uh, the other four, Corn uh, Ferry, and then the, the, the super COVID year. So uh, two of those years kind of covered over one season. And then that first year out as a professional golfer. Um, tons of highlights, a great amateur player, great professional player, um, and just honestly a great big brother. So super pumped to have you on the podcast. And Toby, how you doing? I'm great. Looking forward to uh, talking to you guys today. Yeah. Blaine, thanks so much for being on. I, I know the other podcasts, you know, we just kind of talked about general things and golf and uh, just faith circumstances and whatnot. Um, but with this one, I'm super pumped because we're going to kind of dive into fear, anxiety, um, the life of a professional golfer, but get a little bit deeper on just a singular topic. So super pumped to have you. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to uh, love Jace. Great younger brother. Um, a lot of respect. And then Toby is uh, a guy I looked up to a lot in high school golf. and uh, Not physically, still- just... Yeah. Yeah. Not physically, just more his golf ability. And uh, yeah. So let's clarify that's past tense and, you know, just golf. And, and <laughs> I mean, still to this day, you know, such a stick. Uh, I got, a, you know, I got some fun memories of playing high school golf with Toby. So uh, two guys that I love a lot. Excited to be on here today, guys. Yeah. So give us just a, maybe a current update uh, family wise. You know, you have yeah. three kids, one on the way. That's super exciting and maybe a little current status on golf. Yeah. Uh, have my wife, Morgan, we've been married for December will be 10 years. Um, so we got a big anniversary coming up. Um, she is a superhero, um, sends me out with a lot of, uh, confidence when I leave, leave home. Um, and just, she is almost 30 weeks pregnant, taking care of three kids. Emma is seven, Ford's five, Lawson will be three in October. And then um, Maverick is due mid-October as well. So uh, she, she is um, very tired at night right now when she goes to bed. And uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a daily grind, but she's, she's killing it. And um, everybody's good. Summertime's busy, just keeping the kids busy while they're out of school, a lot of time at the pool. And um, when I'm home, we're just playing and running around and trying to wear them out for bedtime. So uh, home life is good. Um, the, the summertime, but home and golf wise is kind of the time of the year where it's easy to just get kind of tunnel vision and it's, it's hot. There's a lot of golf happening, not much time at home. So, you know, trying to stay connected with them via FaceTime and the phone and checking in and make sure they're okay. And then golf, um, I had my best finish of the season last week, which was a huge blessing. Um, it's felt like it's been trending for a while over the past six to eight weeks in the summer. Um, just some clarity on things. And I'm a very impatient person by nature. And it's, I kind of, if things aren't going right, I kind of jump ship because I want them to go right quicker. And uh, I feel like I've stayed in a lane for multiple weeks now and I've kind of started to see the fruit of that. And then last week it, it clicked in and um, yeah, I had a great week. And uh, so just excited about that. feel like I'm carrying it into this week and um, uh, yeah. So rocking and rolling busy time of year. Yeah. So you finished tied ninth last week. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. 19 under lost by seven. So <laughs> 19 under. 
talk us through real quick because you, you finished tied for ninth and yep. 19 under and you birdied mm-hmm. the last so i think it's really fun when guys like talk about situations and stuff so walk us through you get to the you get to the 18th tee you probably know like hey i need a birdie here you know, at least wanting a birdie you maybe not know exactly where you are yeah. um yeah talk us through tee box second shot putt everything what happened during there glad you asked because uh like we'll talk about later on i feel like i'm prone to fear whether that's like fear of something occurring or fear of failure and uh i've struggled cutting the ball for a while just due to some like swing tendencies um that used to be kind of my natural shot shape for the driver but i've wrestled with that for a while 18's a really tight first of all i didn't know i had a chance for a top 10 scores are crazy low i didn't look at the boards on sunday but when i i accidentally saw the board on 17 and i saw that 18 under was like T18 or T17 or something like that. And so because it was so bunched, I didn't think that a birdie would get me into the top 10. So I was kind of unconcerned with like finish. I just wanted to finish well. And uh, it's a tight tee shot and a three wood is just a dead safe play. It's like 70 yards wide where three wood lands, but that would have left me probably a six or seven iron in, depending on how much roll I got. But a driver, it was 25, 30 yards wide, but it's water and bunker. So it pinches in up there, but the wind was off the left. I was swinging well. And I, I went to grab three wood and I was like, I, I want to make birdie here. I want to, I, I want to use this as a moment to test myself. Like if I finish 18th or 30th, yes, it's important, but like, I want to give myself a chance for birdie. I want to hit a shorter iron in. And so it was just kind of a moment to just like see where I was at. And I just set up and just nuked a high cut dead center of the fairway, uh, way down there in between the bunker and the water. And I had 150, 159 into a tuck pin. I was swinging well, just hit nine iron right at it uh, to about 12 feet. And then um, I was rolling the ball great. And I was I was hitting, I hit every putt on Sunday exactly like I wanted to, which is probably the first round I've done that in years, uh, which was really cool. I just, routine was consistent, kept my head down, hitting good putts. And on that putt, I, at the last minute, I gave it another like half a ball of break and then it just barely caught the low edge. So I'm really thankful I gave it that extra half a ball and uh, made it and looked at the board and I was T9. So um, that was a, that was a good, just like gut check kind of tally I can put on the board to remember later. So it was a big birdie. It was good. Yeah, that's great. And looking back over the last, you know, six months, year, what are some of the things that you focused on to kind of keep going and use the, the phrase staying in like one lane, staying focused on one thing? How have you kind of stayed in the process, even when you haven't had the results that you're hoping for? Honestly, uh, it goes deeper than just golf. Uh, I know, you know, we'll kind of get into more of the spiritual realm of things here, but uh, I've, I've wanted to quit so many times over the past two to three years I've played really poorly. I've had good flashes of brilliance and stretches of good golf, but it's been such a grind. And I think having the taste of what playing on the PGA tour against the best competition, the best courses, um, having a taste of that and then being on the corn ferry for multiple years since the last year I played on tour was in 2018. Um, there's just a restlessness of like wanting to do it again. And, uh, and, and with that, you know, I, I've worked with different swing coaches and tried different things. And then you kind of get down rabbit trails you don't know you're on. And uh, 
all that to say between my wife and then trusted counselors around me um, that have been able to kind of just keep my heart in check and be like, I know this isn't easy, but this is where you're called right now. Um, and just thinking of the difference in career versus calling. Um, maybe this isn't the ideal career all the time, but it's clearly where the Lord has me at the moment. And I can see so many evidences of that. Um, really, it's just been the counsel of others that, that I love and I trust that are close to me that have just been like, hey, Blaine, you need to get your eyes off yourself and just like keep struggling well. Um, I've had multiple people tell me, uh, Brad Payne with CGF being one of them, like if you continue to play poorly, spend all this money, come out in the, in the, in the red every year and, and, and the Lord's using it to sanctify you and, and get your heart in the right place. And like, it's a worth it investment. And so um, really it's just been that, that grace of people around me. And then um, thankfully uh, the golf has sort of kind of just turned a corner sort of May or June. Um, and, and it's really, everybody's just so different. Some people need a coach. Uh, I need more of just like clarity of mind and uh, my instincts are pretty good. My feel is pretty good. And so uh, it's kind of just like sorting through the cobwebs and it's just kind of become clear. And I'm like, well, this is, who I am as a player. This is how I swing it. And it's kind of uh, started to click. So it's exciting. Yeah. I'd love to hear you speak a little bit more into that idea of career versus calling mm -hmm. um, and just figuring out there's so many guys, um, especially as we talk to college golfers, as they're graduating school, they're figuring out what's next. A yeah. lot of culture now says, you know, just find your passion, go pursue that. And Give us kind of a good understanding of, you know, career versus calling and how like your unique calling right now is professional golf. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of have the idea of, of, of uh, for, for a believer, for someone who is trusted in Jesus, um, the there's kind of two ways that we can discern what God's will is in his word. And, and it's so, especially in college, I remember, you know, being like, well, what's, what's, what is God, what's God's will for me to choose this decision or that decision? Um, there's big decisions. Who am I going to marry? And then there's small decisions. What smaller decisions, what school am I going to go to? What career am I going to choose? Uh, and then as you kind of continue to progress through life, what house am I going to buy? What church am I going to go to? What school are my kids going to go to? Um, and, and you have his revealed will, and then sort of his hidden will and his revealed will is what he commands of us, what he desires of us as followers of him. Um, and it's pretty, it's, it's laid out. This is, this is who God is. This is who you are. This is how you should act in relation to him. The 10 commandments would be a great example of that. That's just very laid out and clear. And then there's those, those things that the Lord is sovereign over and that he is uh, behind the scenes sort of orchestrating for, the good of those that love him according to Romans eight, and then also for his purposes and his glory. And it's less defined, but there's sort of parameters that you can walk in. And so uh, follow your passions and do things that, that you love and that you enjoy. And for me, that was golf. And I wanted to do that mm -hmm. as a career. Um, and then the Lord can, can use that for his purposes behind the scenes. Um, but then when sort of the rubber meets the road and I'm in this place for three or four years of, going out, leaving my family, working hard, putting in the time and the effort and the 
creativity and the uh, intentionality to try to improve and get better. And then I just play terrible and I don't make any money. And it's like, okay, am I in the right career? Uh, but then I can look around and see ways where the Lord has given me relationships that are impactful um, or uh, positions of influence or uh, just things like that to where it's like, yeah, man, I'm not uh, the, the consistency and the uh, predictability of this career is very uncertain. And there's a lot of ups and downs and peaks and valleys, but uh, I can see where the Lord's using what I'm doing, even though I don't like it. And, and that's where the evidence is like, you're called here right now. So just stay the course. And, and when it's clear that something different needs to happen, I'll make, I'll let you know that. Um, so I think the Lord gives us talents and uh, skill sets and proclivities to enjoy things. And so you can pursue those things. You don't have to worry like super deeply about whether or not that's what you should or shouldn't be doing. But then in the midst of those things, the Lord's going to kind of call you to specific areas that um, maybe out of your comfort zone or um, where you need to stay when you feel like you need to run. No, that's good. And I think uh, kind of going exactly off what you were saying, uh, one of the ways that plays out is First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Uh, I know that both of us or all of us know this verse and most of the people listening may and maybe some don't, but rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's really what you're walking out right now. Um, and that's what we're all called to no matter where we are. Uh, no That's matter right. what the career, no matter what the vocation is, um, it's going to be hard. Life's hard. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Um, everything. In li- I mean, it's, life is not easy. There are times when the glimpses of it, when it is going easier and it's more comfortable, but life in general is hard. And we're mm. just called to rejoice always. Uh, pray without ceasing. You make our requests known before the Lord and give thanks in all circumstances. And that's hard. Um, but you kind of... You're probably not fully there, Blaine, but like you're definitely closer than you were five years ago. I know we could yeah. probably all say the same things. Yeah, but exactly. So I love all that, but I'd also I know that most of the people listening that if anybody follows you on social media knows you, you love fitness. And five years ago, you you still enjoyed fitness, but you weren't as fit as you are now. So I would love for you to just kind of dive into your process with fitness what that looks like. I know at UCF you won like iron athlete of the year for golf or whatever. That was kind yeah. of the start of it, I guess. Uh, the bar was very low. Cause I came in and I puked every single workout for the fall semester. I would get about 20 minutes into the workout, walk to the bathroom, which I was very familiar with puke, come back, finish the workout whole semester. every day. <laughs> I love that though. But going from that to where you are now, it's awesome. Especially as your brother, like I, I used to be very fit. Now, you know, I, I mean, sure, I'm kind of fit, but I'm just kind of a washed up 27-year-old. And you've done the opposite. You've gotten fitter as you've gotten older. So I would love for you to kind of talk into your your process with fitness, why you love it, maybe what the Lord, I mean, how the Lord has used it to help just your life in general. Um, just talk yeah. about fitness. I'd love for you to kind of dive into that. Yeah, I think uh, it getting to college, I kind of got the bug just uh, – realize the importance of it for obviously our body as golfers is is our our tool and it's important to to stay in shape and um i've done a little bit of everything i've done golf specific fitness i've done 
kind of choose your own adventure, make your own fitness. And then now I'm more kind of in the lane of CrossFit, which definitionally is just constantly varied high intensity functional fitness performed over a broad time domain would be what they kind of define CrossFit as. And so I think uh, a lot of people hear that I, I go into gyms every week and they're like, wait a minute, you, you're going to do this and then go play golf or like you're a golfer and you do CrossFit and you come to this class and you're going to lift this weight. And, um, Scott Stallings is kind of shout out Scott. He's sort of who introduced me to high intensity functional fitness. And, uh, when he started his fitness journey back in 17 or 18, when he lost all his weight and sort of, uh, got fit, I was hanging out with him and learning some things. And, um, so a, it's important to to stay in shape for golf. Obviously, um, the, more so than even just swinging the club. Different cities every week, sitting on airplanes, sitting in cars, uh, just having a sense of normalcy and repetition and routine with that. I think just helps kind of settle you into a new time zone or environment, different bed every week. It just helps with that. Um, and I I always separate it too. If I wasn't a golfer, I would just want to be as fit and healthy as I can, just because it gives me energy to play with my kids. It gives me focus throughout the day. It's an outlet for me to, uh, golf is so cerebral and slow and, uh, short moments of focus and then long moments of kind of mind wondering that, uh, the Lord, I think has used it in my life as a means of grace to have just an hour, an hour and a half of just like aggression, just like somewhere where I can mindlessly get out some, adrenaline and just like go hard. Um, and then also golf is so difficult from a control standpoint. Uh, I'd say one of my greatest idols is control and pride and kind of wanting to have the answer and figure out a way to fix something or do it right. And so, uh, it certainly can, can lead to pride or fulfilling that idol through fitness because it's very much a input output, mechanism it's like if you do this weight percentage for this rep scheme for this amount of time like you will get stronger the lord has designed our bodies to work in that way and so but it, it definitely golf is so uncontrollable and so frustrating at times for my personality type that it is just a way for me to like do something and then sit back and just be thankful that i can see the results from it because i can't always do that in golf so that's a big reason why i enjoy it it's uh it's it's measurable and you can kind of hit benchmarks and uh it's it's just more of an outlet than anything and so um, i feel like i've just found a good rhythm with knowing what uh when to be smart when to not go to a class when the programming's a little extreme for a golf tournament and uh it's a it's a fun arena in my life that i've kind of grown to enjoy so well give us a like high level week at home and then week on the road for kind of your workout without getting too in depth. Cause yeah. that's what I would love to hear, but give us like this overview. So most people can understand it. Uh, so the number one thing doing like kind of the style of fitness that I do, people always are like, well, you don't, you're not like sore or you don't want to like, you're going to back squat that and then go play. If, if you just stay consistent and repetitive, and keep the volume the same, your body kind of adapts to like, I, there's, there's, I have to really do something out of the box or intense to get sore. Um, and I just try to keep that level of consistency at home or on the road. I used to be 
light on the road, heavy at home, but then there's just this like discombobulation between I'm worn down and sore at home. And then I'm kind of coming off that on the road and I feel different. My body's recovering. And so I try to just stay consistent. Um, I, I work out four to five times a week on the road or at home, maybe a couple more longer sessions at home. Um, and I just try to like back to the definition. I just try to vary it a lot and do a lot of lifting, but then a lot of cardio and a lot of explosiveness and movement. And, um, that, you know, I, I'm a little bit more adventurous and uh, I'll put more weight overhead or I'll, uh, maybe do a longer workout that would, uh, fatigue my nervous system more at home than I am on the road, just cause for obvious reasons for energy. And, um, you know, I don't want to deplete my reserves too much on the road. Um, and I've also found that I don't, I typically won't go do a CrossFit workout before I play anymore. So I will only, I'll work out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday or Friday, depending on my early tea time. So I'll typically get four, like in a CrossFit gym, hour long sessions a week, uh, after I play. So midday or early afternoon. So I kind of have some time to wind down before bed. Um, and then Saturday or Sunday, I'll typically just kind of take it light and let the momentum build through the weekend. Um, so yeah, I just think that, like I said, if I wasn't a golfer, I would treat it the same just because I want to steward my life as best I can. And it, it gives me, um, I kind of, I just have the mentality that like, I want to continue to progress until natural regression happens. Like as a result of the fall, one day, I'm not going to be able to do what I can do at 32. And I just want to like, I want an upward trajectory until that natural decline happens um, and just kind of see, see where I can go. So. Yeah. The higher the peak is before that decline happens, the better, you know, that's right. That's right. I just want, I want to reach the top. It's really helpful understanding how you just try to keep volume constant. Um, especially cause I remember when I was in college and even playing professionally, you go through seasons of being really motivated and you think, all right, well, I'm going to go heavy. I'm going to try to put on weight. And then you go through seasons of, well, I'm too sore. I need to try to get speed. And that's interesting how you kind of keep that volume the same. Um, yeah. Very helpful. That one just like practical way that that's played out. I used to hover around uh, as of probably only about 18 to 20 months ago, I would hover at like mid to high 160s in weight. And then throughout the summer, I'd be down to like 160 because it's just hard to keep weight on when you're sweating and walking and yeah. during a tournament. And then with this new, newer training regimen, I, I'm, I put on 10 to 12 pounds and I just stay there. I haven't, I haven't lost any, I don't gain it. And so it's just, it's just more consistency in terms of energy level, how I feel. And it's, uh, it's just been easier to maintain, uh, that because it used to always be like, you just wear yourself down in the summer and then you're kind of like in the fall trying to rebuild it again. So the consistency has been good. The thing I love about all of that and I love about fitness is like fitness is hard. Like working out for 45 minutes to an hour, shoot, working out for 20 minutes and doing a quick 20 minute workout, that's hard. But being overweight is also hard. Like in sleeping in, like it makes it harder on your body. Like you're drowsy, you're sleeping. And so it's like you're going to, you have to choose a hard and that's right. you might as well. There's no easy out. Yeah, there's no easy out. And you can either, uh, uh, I think I've heard it said, you can, uh, you, you can either, suffer consciously or unconsciously mm -hmm. and it's better to choose conscious suffering and then avoid as much of the just residual that you can yeah 
And once you kind of get going, once you get, like you said, though, well, like once you get consistent with fitness and you get consistent with working out, it definitely becomes more fun. Like it becomes a little bit easier. It's still hard, but it becomes a little bit easier. And you see the, you see the results, like you said, like in your life. And, you know, now that I have a six month old son, I'm, you know, thinking about like running around with him when he's a little bit older and, um, like, I don't want to run around and just be out of breath. You know, after 10 minutes, like I want to be able to run around with them. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. fun to, to think about that. But. Yeah. And Blaine, yeah. one area that I've really seen you kind of mentor the younger pro golfers in, and even some amateur golfers, um, this idea of, you know, fear and anxiety on the golf course is something, if I think back to my college years, we didn't really talk too much about anxiety. And then fast forward to now, it seems to be such a common topic with college golfers and kind of the guys I talked to on PJ tour and corn Ferry tour. Um, I think you've really helped a lot of people just kind of sharing your story and talking through some of that. So we'd love to, to hear you kind of go in depth with, with your story and kind of some, what you would speak into the lives of guys that are struggling with that. And I think, and I think even like this doesn't just apply to those that are playing golf like this, this goes in even deeper. Um, because yes, it, uh, maybe reveals itself while you're playing golf. Like I know that we, anybody who plays golf, you stand on the first tee, you have a little bit of fear. Um, Mm -hmm. but this goes into your life. It gets into your family. It gets into your job and anybody listening to this can hear this because it can go two ways. You can, you can deal with it healthy or you can deal with it unhealthy. And so just kind of share little bit about those differences, but just give us a big 30,000 foot view about all this. Yeah. Uh, let me, so a lot of people have heard, uh, a couple of these stories. Let me kind of set some context and, uh, because it is something that I struggled with in all of my life. It played itself out in golf and then at home, but kind of the root of it all is the same. And so, um, I do love talking about this because when I, when I was at the peak of wrestling with these things, I truly felt like such an idiot. I'm like, I'm the only person that struggles with this. Uh, I need to just suck it up and get over it. And I need to, to stop letting my brain go crazy all the time. And um, one of the things that I love about God's word and about his work in us is that it allows you to sort of live in this tension between uh, kind of the nurture versus nature argument. What is kind of just inherently part of the the fractured state of the world post fall in Genesis chapter three? And then what is, uh, what are some things that I can do to like direct my mind or my heart and, and practically how can I help some of this anxiety that I'm dealing with? Because there is this level of like, part of us is that we're broken. And then part of it is that that there are, there are steps we can take um, to sort of help alleviate it a little bit. And so I, I, I've always been a pretty anxious person and I didn't really have language for it. I just thought it was kind of my wiring Uh, since I was 15 or 16. I've just always, I just, there's no governor between having a headache and then thinking I have a brain tumor. Like it's literally as silly as that sounds uh, for people who really wrestle with anxiety. It's like, the simplest thought can then just go to the worst extreme with no intermediate steps. That's kind of the best way to explain it. So whether that's, if I miss a putt, I'm going to lose my job 
or it's, uh, you know, my heart's racing, I'm going to die. Like those are kind of the two examples between the, the spheres of life I walk in. And so uh, a lot of people know my story about getting disqualified at Q school back in 2012. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is that incident and the fact that I found out about the penalty after the fact, like 12 hours after it had happened, really sort of lit this fuse of fear in me of I'm going to make a mistake every time I play and I'm not going to know about it till later. And then it's going to affect something crazy. Like I'm going to win a tournament and then find out two weeks later that like I broke a rule and now I'm going to have to pay the money back or my status is going to change or it, it sort of uh, sparked this anxiety within me towards the rules of golf that unfortunately lasted for to this day, I still have to at times kind of check myself. Um, but it lasted, I don't think I played a tournament for five years without finishing the round and then like replaying some incident in my mind of the day and wondering like, did I do something wrong? Like, did I, did I do two club lengths on that drop? Is that near the hole? Did I pick the right line there? Did I, did that ball move on the green? Did I, and, um, it was really, uh, I've talked to, like Toby said, I've, I've talked to other college college guys since that uh, wrestle with these things and um it was such a burden like just uh a lot of people don't know that you know so i got disqualified in 2012 from q school didn't have status and then uh got my corn fairy tour card about a year later and uh then went from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour. At the time, it was the Web.com Tour. And the whole time I was on the PGA Tour, almost for all four years, I, I always had this, like, kind of low-grade feeling of, like, oh, you don't deserve to be here. Like, you've done something wrong or, like, somebody, you know, you didn't uh, – something happened that, you know, somebody didn't call out or you didn't call yourself out on it. And, uh, and, and so people look – and then so back to the, the DQ – then I got DQ'd uh, about a year or no, six, six months later, I got a sponsor invite into a corn ferry tour event in Pittsburgh. I was solo second after two rounds and uh, somehow me, my caddy and the score all missed a whole mess up. Signed my scorecard, went out, practice putting and an official came out and he's like, Hey, your scorecard's wrong to DQ'd. And I was in solo second without status in Pittsburgh. Um, so then six months later, I get my corn ferry tour card. We're in Brazil, which is not a short flight. Uh, play the first round, shoot 67. And the guy I was playing with uh, didn't – English wasn't his first language. And so uh, he filled my scorecard out wrong. And so due to the previous incident of signing a wrong card, I was concerned about the whole scores. And in the midst of that, I forgot to sign my card. Um, and the – person checking the scores highlighted it as, as though I did sign it because they typically check that. So because of the previous incident, now I'm worried about the whole scores. I don't sign my card, shoot 67 the first round and uh, official comes to me and dining and he's like, Hey, you didn't sign your card. You DQ. So now I have all these things that are just like piling up and I'm such a detail oriented person. I'm always pretty buttoned up with things. And then people on social media are like, you know, calling me an idiot because I'm keep getting DQ'd. And it's like, it is just, it's overwhelming. And it, it, uh, it just led to so much fear that, 
honestly, looking back now, 10 years, uh, it's, it, I'm amazed that I was able to play the level of golf that I did just because I never teed it up with that much freedom. Cause I was always just scared to do something wrong. Um, so that's kind of, I feel like I've kind of babbled, uh, that just kind of sets the stage for some of the ways that I struggled. Um, and so to, to what the Lord has used that in me is that's deeply a part of the way that the Lord has wired me. I'm very type A. I'm very, I'm very much a perfectionist. Um, I, like I said before, I, I really put control up on a pedestal and I want to be in control of everything. And so I think it's an example of, uh, a sinful broken part of me that the Lord has used so greatly to uh, soften me and change my heart and give me humility that I don't want because I'm very prideful. And uh, he's really just used it as difficult as it is, as a way to, to sanctify me and to point me to uh, thinking of when Paul says that um, I will, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, knowing that when I'm weak, the Lord is strong. Um, I heard recently from my pastor that you hear a lot, the Lord won't give you more than you can handle. And truly that statement is, is unbiblical because Paul says that, uh, they were burdened beyond any of their ability to endure, uh, thinking that they were going to die. I think speaking of maybe one of the shipwrecks and their missionary journeys or something that they were literally burdened beyond their strength. And when we're burdened beyond our strength, when the weight of whatever we're struggling with is so great that we have no other hope than to just throw ourselves on the Lord's kindness and mercy and steadfast love. That's a great place to be. And it sucks and it's difficult. Um, but when we're in that place, that's when the Lord can truly display how great he is. And so the, the sort of end of that story is that I wrestled those things for years and years and years. And I hate that I never truly sort of experienced freedom while I was on the PGA tour, which is a, a big motivator for me to want to do it again. Cause I feel like uh, by God's grace, I would do it in a completely different way. Like just the way I handle everything. Um, but that the difficulty of that has led to being able to encourage and counsel other guys who feel like they're the only ones wrestling with those things um, because they're not, and then has used it so greatly to just change my heart. Um, and it's still an ongoing process as, as is anything. And there's days of relapse and, um, you know, wishing I had more control over the chemical imbalances in my brain. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's a storyline that I just see that's been woven through my whole career. And um, I'm grateful that the Lord truly does use those things for our good as hard as they are. Yeah, and it's not being involved in a certain situation. It's easy for people to kind of create their own picture of what happened, right? And especially with the rules of golf, um, definitely had some conversations with guys that it's, you know, a day after a tournament and they're going, hey, here's what happened. I don't have peace about this. Rules officials said I was fine. Yeah. And it's just like processing that and understanding what is, where, where am I kind of overthinking this? Yeah. And where am I fine? And how, and how do you wrestle with that? Yeah. Um, so, so give us an idea of how you're going into a tournament week. So you're coming off tied ninth. 
going into another tournament week. How do you kind of focus on playing in freedom and trusting the Lord in those circumstances, knowing that that is your past struggle, the fear and anxiety? Um, one, one way is to just, I, I just try to not bottle anything up anymore. So if I, funny enough last week, so I, uh, the third round, uh, I hit my, it was on the seventh hole. I hit my seventh great putt of the day. Finally hit a wedge into like six feet, played more break than I thought I saw, rolled it great and missed low tapped it in, picked it up, threw the ball up in one hand, like hit the ball with the putter and nailed it right in the middle of the face, hit like a 50 yard putter. It was sick, you know, regretted it instantly. Cause I looked like an idiot, but so I did that. And then immediately the first thought that came to my mind was, I bet you bench your putter. Just like that, just was an instinct that came into my head. And then, you know, if you break a club or bend a club, you can't use it. It's non-conforming, et cetera. And so that started like playing in my head. I'm like, what if you, because you're, because you let your emotion get the best of you in that split second, like what if you bench your putter? And then I just kept thinking about it every hole after that. And so I was like, you know what? So I told Wyatt about it. I was like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking right now. And he's like, okay, thanks for sharing that. And then uh, I found an official and I said, Hey, listen, I'm in a really delicate state of mind right now. And this is what happened. <laughs> and it's a guy that I'm close with. And, uh, I explained it and he's like, He's like, well, let me see your putter. He's like, it's fine. He's like, you know, it, you have to uh, be able to definitively know that you change the playing characteristics ever or whatever. He's like, you're good. And don't, he's like, listen, don't go get the loft and lie check next week. And if it's half a degree off, worry that you did like, you don't know where that just, just stop, just go play. Yeah. And then, and then there was just this, this immediate, just like, okay, that's it. Like, should I have let my emotion get the best of me? No, I did. And then I took the steps to just walk in the light. Like, let's just bring it out into the open to where everybody knows what's going on. Um, and so for me, all that to say, I just try to not bottle anything up anymore. If I'm feeling yep. anything, so I just good. try to, I use my caddy as a reference point. If you're a college player, use your coach, use your teammates, because if you start to talk about these things, the other dude's like, Oh, well I did this. And uh, you know, it, there's just a, camaraderie of like you're not alone in a lot of this stuff even though it can feel that way i know i have other guy, other close friends that um will text me and be like hey this happened on the course and i'm struggling with it and i'll just we'll talk each other off the ledge like it's uh you know typically people that struggle with stuff like this aren't doing anything wrong or adverse it's just it's just the way that your mind processes stuff and so it's helpful to just bring it into the light um i, I think a lot of practically John chapter first John chapter one that God is light in him is no darkness at all. Um, and just the idea of walking in, in the light of the Lord's presence and of his mercy and of his forgiveness. And uh, typically when people are trying to live that way, when something does go wrong, they're going to fess up to and own it. And it's not going to be something you're trying to hide anyways. And so, um, so yeah, I just try to uh, just try to be an open book and not deal with things on my own. Cause when I do that, it sort of typically gets dark and weird. Yeah, I mean, in that <laughs> we could go so deep into this because, like, yeah, we're talking about golf, but like, this is life. Like, and That's I think right. we can yes. all agree, um, us three, like, in our walks, in our life, when we conceal something, when we cover something, when we keep something in, it just creates so much more anxiety. And and, and That's right. we just have 
people have the idea that I should just white knuckle it. I can figure it out. I'll be fine. But like, like you were talking about, you know, Paul and just you have understanding that in our weakness, like God's love and his strength is perfected. Like we can see it completely. And yeah. I heard this quote when I was in college, uh, it was a pastor and he said, um, if I, uh, I'm gonna have to edit this cause I'm completely forgetting the quote. I'll probably, we'll keep it in there just to, to laugh about it. Um, I know what quote you're talking about. I do too. I can't think like, of it. I'm, I'm, I had it in my head like two minutes ago and then we kept talking. I forgot it. Um, I, if it pops back in, don't edit this out. This is great. Golly. If it pops back in, interject immediately and say it. Okay. If I, if you cover, if I cover your my sin, sin, your sin will be revealed. If I cover, my if you sin, reveal your, yeah, go for it. I, Sorry. If I cover my sin, God will expose me. If I expose my sin, God will cover me. Yeah. That's there you go. And I mean, and, and it's so true though. Like you think that what you're doing is helping you and it's protecting you. It's protecting those around you. It's like, well, this is a little bit safer, but all the things that we're talking about literally just blow up a hundred times bigger, your anxiety, your fear, and then the destruction of whatever it is. But when you just walk in the light and say, Lord, this is what's going on. You, you talk to trusted people. Like you're saying, you you go to people who, you know, have wise counsel and you share these things. That's freedom. Like in my own personal story, I used to conceal everything. And then I met a CGF staffer. I met Ross and Anderson and we went to lunch together and I just would every single day I'd sit down with them and be just filled with so much guilt and so much fear and so much, all this stuff. And then eventually he's like, Hey Jace, he went to first John. He said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Mm-hmm. And then I did that. And for the first time in my life, I felt freedom. I felt, man, yeah. like the fear, the anxiety has gone. Somebody knows me. Yeah. Somebody knows everything and whether it's golf and you're dealing with rules, you're dealing with whatever it is, or it's your life and you're struggling with this, you're struggling with that. That's where freedom is found when it's exposed. But, yeah. The turning point for me in sort of my, my whole battle with it. Cause I also dealt with it just in my life in general. I, ha- I would have, I think it was almost like a bubbling over of the anxiety that I was dealing with in golf, but I would have, panic attacks regularly and it got so bad that like Morgan couldn't leave the kids with me by myself to go to the grocery store because I was like fearful of the fear that I could have a panic attack while she's gone and then like I got the kids with me and I'm like overwhelmed and it was it was terrible I wouldn't wish it upon anybody and it sounds ridiculous to even say it after the fact but the turning point came when we were renting a house with some other dear friends of ours at a tournament and we're just sitting around talking one night and somehow the topic came up and they struggled with the exact same things I did. And I was like, wait a minute, like I'm not the only weirdo in the world that has this struggle. Uh, and that led to some steps that, Hey, I do counseling with this Christian ministry in, in my town. And then I talked to my doctor and I was able to start taking some medication that sort of helped the physical wiring of what's going on. And then, and then just that conversation of being like, man, I'm not alone truly the Lord used to just change my life. Um, and that was in 2018. And so, yeah, just walk in the light, drag it out into the light, let the bad stuff die. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the biggest thing from everything we've talked about is it really comes down to first Peter five, seven, and that we can cast all of our anxieties on the Lord. We can bring them before the Lord, but why can we do that? The second half of the verse, because he cares for us. And so we can share these things with others. We can seek good help. 
Like we can go to people that know God's word, that know how to counsel us well, and they can help us with these things. We can bring before the Lord. But the only reason we can do it is because we, he cares for us. We know that he cares for us. He cares right. for our souls. He cares, cares for our minds and he loves us. Um, and that's, that's what anybody listening, that's what we want you to understand is that you don't have to hold on to things in your life, these struggles by yourself. You don't have to try to figure it out. Find a trusted partner and walk with those, those people uh, through these things. And you're not alone. That's kind of the other thing we've talked about. You're not alone. Because that's the Absolutely. the lie and the deception that you can fall into is that I'm the only person that's that's going through this. Actually, this is back. This is off topic. That was great. That was deep. Last week, uh, the second round shot 64, made the cut pretty easily. And they had done a software update on the scoring system. And the guy that was running all the shot link stuff was in Reno. So we're in springfield illinois and the scoring system was messed up so the board had me shooting eight under but i shot seven so we checked the cards and tommy's like uh what'd you have on four and i was like i had a par the board had me as a birdie so that's wrong so he changes that checks it off blah blah blah. changes it in the system and then i go to dining and the scoreboard doesn't update for like 10 minutes it still has me at eight and nine total and i was like just ptsd just rumbling in my brain I've already left the scoring area. This is exactly the same situation as back in Pittsburgh. And I walked back in there. I'm like, Tommy, listen, I got a lot of PTSD going on right now. I was like, can you check the system and make sure it's right? So he pulls the card out. And I look at the screen before I look at the card and the screen is wrong. The screen is gone. The official screen that like when he puts it in, it's done is birdie on three on four. And I'm like, and uh, so he, uh, he pulls the card out. He's like, listen, I know I changed that. He pulls the card out. The card was right. And so I just kind of like sigh of relief. And he's like, I am so mad. This system is messing me up today. He calls the guy and they had to change it, but it was good. But it was just like a little moment of like, okay, just take a deep breath. You're fine. You did everything fine. <laughs> so a lot happened last week. This is a great, uh, very pertinent. That is a lot. Yeah, those digital leaderboards aren't that helpful. Uh, that I'm situation. sitting down I keep refreshing. I'm like, I shot seven. Fix it. Update. Fix yeah. it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, you should have just left it and be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. All right. So, Toby, walk us through some uh, of our quick rapid fire questions. Blaine, this has been great. We're at 45 oh, minutes. I forgot about this. This uh, is exciting. I forgot about this part of the show. Yes. I'm, a, I'm an avid listener, by the way. It's an honor to be here. Oh, I love that. Good. good love you guys. Hear. You guys do a great podcast. Oh, thank you. We'll just start with foursome. Dream foursome, dead or alive? Golly, this is tough. I've heard this question asked. <laughs> you think you'd be prepared? <laughs> and again, you can't you can't pick me or Jace. So anybody I mean, else? Listen, as Steve Williams said five million times on the recent podcast with the Australian reporter guy. I mean, look. Me and Wyatt have this new inside joke. Steve Williams said, "I mean, look." As he answered every question, he's like, "I mean, look." <laughs> so the sentimental and true answer i would love to play some sweet golf course with my dad and my two brothers my sister plays too but you know it's a guy thing but i'm just gonna i'm gonna skip past that emotional answer and i'm gonna say ben hogan because i just love the way that guy swings the golf club i'm gonna say george washington i don't know if old george played golf but <laughs> 
mad respect for the guy. I mean, look, he probably was a <laughs> stick. I mean, look. And uh, then we'll pick uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm. Just because he's cool. Who, and he likes golf. So just follow up to that little tidbit. Who is the your favorite person that you've been able to play with outside of a golfer? Oh, jeez. Uh I mean, I know where you're you're leading in this question. Uh, One and, day and, he, and he may not be the answer, but I would love to know. Yeah, I mean, answer. I I can't think of. I've, I've played with a lot of really cool people, but it blew my mind when I was 22, and I was a, I'm a, I like Maroon Five, Adam Levine fan, liked him on The Voice, cool dude, rock star, and I ended up playing 18 holes with him one day in L.A. and it was like crazy. I mean, technically, oh, you played like Alfonso Ribeiro uh carlton i met him on the range one day and then the next we were like hey let's play golf together tomorrow and then the next day he showed up he's like hey my buddy is gonna play with us today i'm like cool and then we get on the first team it's adam levine uh which is pretty cool so uh and technically you played you played like 14 holes with him though because he had to leave because the temperature was changing and he was singing at the whatever awards and had to get out of the weather we're all out there playing and he's like hey guys it's getting a little cooler out here I got rehearsals tonight with Alicia Keys for the Grammys tomorrow. So like, I'm going to get out of here. And I was like, well, I've never heard that before. That's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun memory. That's sweet. All right. Uh, yeah, dream- college golfers though. will probably know what Marine five is, but you know, fresh Prince of Bel Air, you threw that reference out there. Sure. Where, where did you play with Carlton? Same, same place. So uh, okay. I have a really close friend of mine, Jim Sharp, shout out Jim. He texts me after every round. He is one of my biggest fans, uh, awesome guy. He used to work for 20th Century Fox in LA. And he's a member of this golf course called Lakeside, which is where anyone in Hollywood that plays golf is a member of. And uh, he was kind enough to let me go out there and play. And I was just practicing. I was out there for a Monday qualifier. Morgan and I had just got married. It was kind of just a fun getaway trip to, to start playing because I didn't have status. And uh, met Alfonso on the range because I recognized him and introduced myself and um, we just chatted. And then that night I sent him an inst- or a, a Twitter message and said, not expecting him to get it, but I was like, Hey, I'm actually going to play tomorrow at Lakeside if you're interested in playing. And he replied and he was like, yeah, I would love to. Um, so he's really cool. Great guy. Super. They were both super just normal dudes as, as most people are um, that will surprise you people that are kind of in positions of influence or in the public sphere and uh the next day he saw me on the range he's like hey yeah we're good to go at you know whatever time and um i got a couple of buddies that are going to join us and uh then we got to the first team it was adam levine and um wasn't the guy uh, from tv show 24 yeah yes that's right yep it was an actor from 24 um so yeah awesome. and then another time i played i played with bruno mars agent so it's just you know it was a crazy place <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Next question. That was a very uh, long, yeah, rapid very fire, long answer. Sorry. But it was ben, George JT. There you go. Um, but not Justin Thomas, Justin Timberlake. Uh, okay. Next really one. Uh, if, if you could hop on a jet right now, fly, go play any course in the world, uh, whether you've played it or not, what course are you going to? I think I would go play. Honestly, after watching last week, I think I'd go play the old course. I've played it one time. It was dead calm, soft-ish. 
it was a beautiful day to play, but it didn't play like the old course is supposed to play. So I think I would go play the old course. Um, that sort of inspired me last week. It was kind of fun to watch. Love that. Uh, favorite workout you've ever done? Oof. Um, like if you didn't have a tournament this week, you could just put together anything for this afternoon. This is see, this is a, this is a difficult question for somebody who enjoys this kind of stuff because the best typically equals the suckiest. Yeah, and so that it's a little counterintuitive. Uh, Murph is always a fun one to do every year. It's just it's a grind. Forty five minutes. It's so an hour. long too. You get halfway through and you're like, man, are we done yet? So long. Uh, oh, it takes you guys a while. <laughs> too short. I like anything. I like anything that I look at it and I say man, I don't think I could do that. And then I do it and it's just like, yeah, very long accomplishment. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a big burpee box jump over fan cause they, they're really, really bad, but, uh, it's a good, good explosive grind, little hip movement. Yeah. And just to kind of give a very clear picture of Blaine's fitness level at the moment, I sent him a workout that was burpees and double unders. And I did it in approximately 12 to 13 minutes. And I, you know, kind of, I, I kind of cruised through it, did okay. And Blaine did it the next week, and I'm pretty sure he did it like 6:40 something. So half the time, <laughs> that made me feel really good about I'm myself. A little, I'm a little smaller frame. I can get up <laughs> off the ground faster. Just a little bit. But. Well, give us a. What do you do for Murph? Like, are you wearing the weight vest? What weight? And then what's your time? Uh, I've gotten. It took me more than five times to get to where I did a full rep scheme and with the 20 pound vest. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm way more proficient in pull-ups than I used to be last time I did it. And so last time I did it, it took me about 42 minutes, 40 to 42 minutes, I think. Uh, and I partitioned it into 25 rounds, which I think it was four, eight, 12. So four pull-ups, eight push-ups, 12 air squats for 25 rounds. And I just walked over the whiteboard and like, wiped off a check mark every time mm. to keep track yeah because you will forget you will forget <laughs> i'm pr i feel like i could do it in 10 rounds now i could partition it into uh 10 15 20 is that right 10 20 no 10 20 30 i yeah. feel like i could handle that volume uh and i i didn't i was smart we were traveling this memorial day for a tournament i did not do murph this year which is a shame but uh that's more of kind of an off season thing. So um, I'll put that on the, the box to do here in a few weeks. That's awesome. Toby, any other last second questions? I would love to hear what's your favorite meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Ooh. Uh, I think, I think breakfast, I like starting the day with some hearty nutrition. Uh, you know, I'm hungry in the morning after sleeping and, I like starting the day on a good note, so probably breakfast. Okay. But I love eating yeah. in general. Yeah. I eat a lot. That okay, was so, the last random yeah. question I could think of, but I think we've covered a lot of great stuff today. Um, yeah. It's been really fun hearing more of your story. I still remember us playing junior golf together, and it's fun to see you 10 years into professional golf, and you working hard at it to be a good steward of this gift, and then also – good steward of the relationship you have with some of the younger guys, uh, kind of the mutual friends that we have as well. So thanks for talking to us today. Appreciate it. 
so so pumped to have done it thanks for asking me guys yeah really enjoyed it so uh blaine thanks again um super excited to maybe do some future pods um and we'll just see what what comes of it but good luck the rest of the season got three events left and uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up next year when you're on tour love it Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGFTweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.